0: Log Talk Radio.
1: with a criminal matter has the right to have their case heard before a judge or judicial officer of the court is entitled to a fair and public hearing by a competent independent and impartial court have strict court rules enforced such as the right of reply rules of evidence and be found innocent or guilty beyond reasonable doubt yet our most vulnerable can have their rights assets and decision-making rights removed by a public servant of the state, not a judge, in a tribunal setting that can ignore evidence and facts and determine matters as they see fit and conclude matters based on probabilities alone. Are you scared yet? You should be because the next one that gets caught in this trap could be you. Good evening, everyone. This is Marty Oakley. And this, of course, is the TS Radio Network. And I am proud to say that we took a top spot on Spotify. And <laughs> thanks to all of you. Uh, I truly appreciate it. And thank you, everyone, for all of the good well wishes and congratulatory notes. I really appreciate it. So did Kaz. Um, we've, we've worked hard, and she's been such a big help. So it's both of us. It isn't just me. But anyway, we've got a a show tonight that's going to be an open discussion. If you want to call in, call in. The number is 917-388-4520 and press the number 1 to speak to us, and that way we'll get you online. We've got a lot going on. We've got more of these fluff and buff bills coming out that do not apply to probate. Probate is a tribunal. It is not subject to the common law. It is not subject to the Constitution. And as I understand it from several people, Mr. Biden has a bill in play to dispense with the Constitution. Oh, happy days. Well, anyway, it's just life in America these days. What we're going to be talking about tonight and focusing on for the most part is... (coughs) The reports of elderly individuals who are kidnapped, isolated, and robbed by professional predators called guardians and their companions in crime, the attorneys. Our lawmakers sit there and do not a damn thing. They pretend they don't know, or they come out with these slough and buff bills that do nothing and do not apply, cannot be applied to. And everybody says, oh, isn't this wonderful? No, it isn't. You just got took for a ride. And if I hear one more person say, well, I'll take what I can get. Well, you got nothing. Are you happy with that? There is a lot going on. There are enough of us now. We should be able to form a class action lawsuit, uh, get enough people together, and if nothing else, sue the lawmakers for failing to protect us. They're supposed to represent us, and they don't. They have failed. They refuse to act. They refuse to go up against the bar association. They refuse to go up against these nursing home associations, these administrative courts, and they need to abolish probate. This cannot be fixed. And I keep trying to tell people this system isn't broken. You're trying to address it as if it's broken. It is not broken. It is running exactly the way they intended it no no exceptions. You cannot fix something that is not broken. You need to get rid of it. It is a detriment to society, to the country. And, of course, they're doing it in every country in the world. We have tracked it all across the globe in various forms, but they are doing the same thing everywhere. This is an attack on the elderly, the disabled. And now, of course, they've sucked veterans into it with what they call uh, pension poachers. They're doing this through the VA, who has their own guardianship system, and they're going after veterans who get a pension, and they're putting them in mental institutions and stashing them in other places or leaving them on the street and taking everything they've got. It, it's a wide net. we got to catch them all. With that, I want you to help me welcome my
2: co-host, Kazi. What you doing, girl? Well, I'm recovering from a busy day of cookie baking, and we were running out and delivering cookies, so pretty much, if you want cookies delivered, you need to give me an order by this weekend, (laughs) so thank you, everyone, (laughs) as you know, Marty, I do ship some baked goods, don't I? Yes, 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 (laughs) yes. We sent you some pies.
1: Yes, you did, (laughs) and they were delicious, and they were sweet potato pecan. And they Mm -hmm. absolutely were delicious. And I gained 10 pounds eating them, but that's okay (laughs) because they were that good.
2: (laughs) Well, Marty, they were sweet like you are because you're the sweet one. Oh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, that's true,
1: too. Compared to you, I am. (laughs) I know.
2: And I just want to congratulate you on that exciting the exciting award that we got from Spotify, and a yes. lot of people have asked us the categories, and so I'll just explain it really quick. We we don't control what categories we're in because this stuff, like we just get picked up onto different platforms, and we're even having a hard time like totally understanding all of our stats because once something goes out, and this is like we won't be able to take a showdown once it once it goes out it it really is out of our control and like platforms that I never even knew existed will are starting to pick us up. So I Google, I Google us every once in a while to check us out, but we do have a back of the house um, account to Spotify and that was one of the awards. But the two, the two different categories that you find us on, you're either going to find us in the true crime category or the political category. And it is going to depend which which category, whatever the podcast site is running, puts us in. But Marty, are you aware those are the two most popular categories, true crime and no, I wasn't until this
1: this report came out. I I wasn't aware that that we even got this award. Um, You know that they handed out such things. Um, I was really surprised, pleasantly so. And yeah. You know, no longer than we've been syndicated to land that. I mean, So we're making some waves somewhere as long as people pay attention. You know, um, that's the main thing is pay attention. Because, you know, I think of all the stories we've heard because it's just the tip of the iceberg it's just a small percentage mm-hmm. of what actually is happening.
2: Oh, absolutely! I mean, the different countries that are following us because I can get in, yep. and we don't even have accounts for back of the house for every podcast that is that is running us. We have a few, and so mm-hmm. the few that we have been able to get into because that's a whole other process. The different countries that are listening is is mind blowing. I, I mean, yeah. I was looking at all this stuff. I'm like. Whoa, Marty, go girl. And we got to give a shout out to Marsha Joyner and her Betrayed by Hospice. She actually Mm -hmm. is getting a lot. She's getting the most listens. So she is winning. And so that topic, the hospice, the Betrayed by Hospice topic, is a very much... Uh, hot topic that people are really, really tuning into. Now, right behind right behind her is our show here on Friday night with Guardianship, and we're not that far behind, but it's just really interesting that both of these topics yeah. seem to affect the, the elderly and the disabled, the betrayed by hospice yes. and guardianship, and there is a lot of people out there listening. Now, no, we are not as big as Joe Rogan. But well, we would love to be someday. Well, actually, we would love yeah. to not even have to do this because that would mean the problem was fixed and we could do yeah. like a comedy show or something. Yeah. And, but right now, you know, we're, we're in the top 5% of all podcasts nationwide. But to get from that 5% to the 1%, which is at the Joe Rogan level where you will make money. So, no, we are not making money. Um, it's it's a it's a really, really steep jump. But there are some other big podcasters that have started to follow Marty and I on Facebook. So it's really hey. exciting. We've only been on, I'll be like, Marty, did you see who just sent a friend request? I just looked on your Facebook page and, and he did it to you too. And, and we just get so excited. So thank you, thank you, thank you to so many people who have been following us. Our number one listening platform is iTunes on Apple. So if you're downloading on iTunes on Apple, that is the most listened to – that's the, the the platform that has been most popular for our show. So it's kind of fun to share our fun stats, and maybe we'll yeah. get an award from iTunes, but the award did come to us from Spotify. And, well, wow. and Martin, you have put out over – Seven, what was it? Over seven thousand some minutes of content, which is more than ninety-eight percent of all podcasters. That's a big deal. And we just we a talk a lot. We do, and we yes. just got on Spotify. Gosh, how how is it only like three months, Marty?
1: It hasn't been that anywhere near that long. What well, it's only actually cause been a couple of weeks since Has we were it? formally logged. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's and the weird thing is like more like there's podcasts. There's like a, it's somewhere in the UK. Cause we got, I don't know. Cause you can get an email. We have an it, Marty and I have an email account and somehow it was some podcaster in the UK and they picked up our show and we got an email, but yep. I mean, it's just mind blowing because it's not just the United States. It's not just platforms uh, in the United States it's actually a platform in the UK that picked the show right. up and we don't have a back right. of the house. We don't have any back of the house like data on any of that. Right. So it's been, yeah. it's been exciting and way yeah. to go. Marty. Well, I you know are like podcast pioneer. You started this catch uh-huh. almost 15 years ago. And by the way, Cause Interviews Marty was one of the most listened shows. So I was pretty <laughs> excited about that because Marty thought this was going to be stupid. And then I had the stats to back it up. And I'm like, look at this. And it was really exciting. So thank you, everyone. Yeah. It's just been, yeah. it's just well, been I know fun that and exciting.
1: You know, over in Australia, we have one of the top podcasts over there. And, in fact, they yeah. have, here a year ago, they, the government did. So people couldn't reach us, and they raised so much hell that they opened it back up. And uh, mm-hmm. But we have a large, large audience. of course, we work closely with Chris Dallas from over there, the Australian Association to Stop Guardian Abuse. We work closely with them, and she's under fire yet again from her stalker, her glory hog and uh it's it's been a battle and and having to battle these glory hogs in the midst of yeah. everything else is really yeah. infuriating. you know there's important things we need to concentrate on besides their ego, and that's basically what it's about, and then you have to wonder who's funding them, what's their stake in this, their actual stake? because you see them time after time mm-hmm. derail cases, put people in serious situations that they might not recover from, and then, of course, there is the resume explosion where they claim, you know, uh, degrees and such that they don't have, uh, trying to talk people down to shut them up, And, and then, well, they've got a degree in this, and they've got a degree, and then you find out they don't have any at all. And and what I love is, like, the the ones that came after me, the one in particular claimed I was a a nefarious character and that I had numerous uh, felony charges on my record. I haven't even got a parking ticket. Uh, When I lived in Minnesota, they did three different investigations on me, and they contacted me up there, um, the Bureau did, and asked who was after me. And there was nothing to report. But the one person who was particularly blowing this horn has two sealed felonies on their report. I'd like to know what those are about Mm -hmm. and how would you get them sealed and why. But anyway, Mm -hmm. things for another day. Joining us again tonight Mm -hmm. is Reverend Ralph. Reverend Ralph, say hello.
0: Good evening, listeners. Nice to hear from you or talk to you. There you go. Cooking with you well tonight I had a great deal of information I wanted to uh, release and unfortunately um, it's been uh, a lot of it's been a lot of pressure has been put on me including going back to prison that if I do reveal certain information that's what's going to happen and there's going to be a trial next Monday to determine that so unfortunately because of that uh, a lot of good information will have not be released tonight however I do want to touch on some of the points that, uh, that I've come across and I think the listeners would be very interested in. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. In Pennsylvania, uh, there is a former Senate bill, SB 1333, that unfortunately died in committee at the uh, end of this year. The new legislation will be starting or sworn in uh, the first week of January. And why that, this is interesting? The 1333 bill, it basically died in committee, and neither Republicans or Democrats ever pushed it. And what's interesting is John Fetterman, who was lieutenant governor. I'm sure most of the country has heard about him. How he is, how he feels so sorry for criminals, and how he's trying to get them out, and so forth. I find mm-hmm. it interesting that the one bill that would be most important to help people and to spare them from being victimized, he did nothing about. So this wow. bill, SB 1333, will have to be reintroduced as a new bill uh, first week in January, and uh, I'm going to be as active as possible trying to contact different state and uh, senators and state representatives to have that done. Uh, another point i like to bring out is during my um, – Involvement with a friend who has been victimized by uh, legal guardianship corruption, I have found the one weakness that these guardians, these corrupt guardians, and the corrupt lawyers, and the corrupt judges, and the corrupt psychologists, they all have the same weakness, and that is exposure. And this is why right. it's very important to uh, send, you know, if they are on the take, so to speak, well, not so to speak, actually are, uh, by uh, falsifying the uh, capacitation, uh, d- labeling people incapacitated when they're not, to uh, find what st- uh, what state agency is involved with investigating that type of scam. And again in states they have addition, um, the um, disciplinary board for lawyers and they have something equivalent of the judicial conduct board for corrupt judges. Now granted Lawyers are going to kiss each other's rear ends, and they're going to basically close their eyes, but they do sometimes get something done. And what is interesting in Pennsylvania, that even if uh, the, the lawyer is found to be guilty of something, they will never tell you how they punish the person. So it could be just a letter telling them, don't do it anymore, or it could be disbarment. And I find when there's secrecy, that invites corruption, and that's like a spotlight on corruption, the fact that if they don't tell you things, it's because they don't want you to know certain information. Um, Another point I like to bring up is the fact that um, I found out today, which is interesting, in orphans court, I've heard from many people that said there's a special privacy in orphans court that the people there cannot have their names revealed as opposed to civil court or criminal court. And what I found out tonight is, or today with my attorney, is that there is no special privilege uh, of people or protection of them who are in orphans court, those people that have been labeled incapacitated. It's only if the judge says that in a closed court then you cannot reveal information or you cannot have people in there that are not direct witnesses or family members. And that had been bugging me for a long time that those uh, that there was no law or no statute that said that it has to be requested by uh, one of the lawyers and approved by the judge. So I thought that was very interesting. Another thing that right. I've heard a lot about is the fact that how these guardians once they're hired they start to hire all these different people like a lawyer just yep. for them and care uh, yep. managers and all these assistants and all this other stuff and they can do so because there are no rules that govern uh, guardianships and what these aides or, or what the uh, guardians can do or what they can't do so it's like if there's no speed signs posted uh you can go as fast as you want because it's not posted or what it is and what i feel is very important for the people that have just started in this or hopefully even in the middle of what they're what hell they're going through is the fact that i think they should make a contract in the very beginning with the guardian and a, and in plain english no lawyers involved but it would say specifically for example Uh, that the family would make the decisions first and the guardian would be second. It's not the guardian that is the owner of the person. The guardian's purpose is to simply help the matter go along smoothly as far as taking care of the person, uh, doctor's visits, even finances. If the family members want to do it and they have no problems doing it or taking care of the person, the Guardian should just see himself as a possible source of, uh, of assistance if there is a problem or a complication. So, you know, to be more or less a referee. But it has bugged the heck out of me that these Guardians just literally, and they seem to be always at the bottom of the barrel in terms of ethics and morals, they seem to think that they have been designed or have been approved to be the owner of that person, sort of like the slave masters mm-hmm. in the 1800s. And I think this has shown the, the fact that these guardians think that they own people has brought out the worst in those kind of people and has caused the problems to the victims and their families. So if there, there is a contract, for example, with the guardian, it should specifically say for the benefit of the family they cannot hire anybody to be an assistant or a care manager. In other words, what happens is they hire all these people because they know they will kick back some of the money that they are draining from the victim. Right. So if it's made very clear in the very beginning, you are not allowed to hire people. If, if you want legal assistance, you're paying for it out of your business. Because I've seen too many times... Where the so-called guardians, either of the person or of the estate, they hire a lawyer and then they bill extra for that person's mm-hmm. salary for that yep. billing hour. Well, that's a joke because if you have a business and you need electricity for it, you're paying the electric bill. You don't give a bill to right. somebody and say that cupcake was $2.10 for the electricity it costs to make it. This is right. asinine that these guardians are pulling this stuff. And it's the same way with so-called care managers. You're hiring a guardian. That is the job that they are supposed to do. And when they're charging between $100 to $120 an hour, that is far, far more than is needed to do their job. And as I found out recently, about a month ago, I was a friend of the family in court in an orphan's court situation, a um of a um, guardian her name was doshi uh the well, judge how, asked her how many clients do you have and this doshi said 71. now that's just mind-boggling that these people think they can take care of any more than three or four uh people at a time because unfortunately uh if the person is truly incapacitated or even moderately so, um, this person is basically a a child, has gone back to that of being a child as far as mental abilities. So Mm -hmm. if a person has three children, can you imagine how much effort it takes to make sure those children are fed and clothed and taken care of? Now a person has 10 or 15 or 20 children? Now that is just, you just can't do it, and obviously these guardians that, have, that like to gather them like sheep, they're going to be neglected. They're going to be abused only because they have money. And this is something where if a contract, a very simple contract, comes out in the beginning, you won't have any family members that are going to try to take advantage of it with the guardian, you know, side with the guardian just to get special privileges and so forth. So by having a contract, it just tells them up front, no, you're not going to hire anybody you want, because where does it end? You hire an uh, assistant, and they, well, they need a car to drive. Okay, buy the car, charge it to the victim. Uh, they need a vacation someplace. Well, charge it to the victim, you know, because they're a care manager. This is ridiculous, and this mm-hmm. is what uh, I have told many people that if you hire a guardian, that is their job to pay for anything that they think they may need extra, whether it's a, um, a lawyer assistant, they're paying for it, it's their business. Now, uh, well, another, another thing that uh, I think is important is the fact that um, when you read the reports, and again, because I've had personal involvement with it, when you read the reports of these psychologists that do the so-called evaluations, in Pennsylvania, where I'm located, there are no requirements or standards as to what a accurate evaluation is. It can be five minutes, it could be five hours, it could be five questions, or it could be 100 questions. There is no requirements or standards on what the accuracy must be for every one of those tests that they give the victim or the person so what that means is anybody as long as they have that title a PhD and they flash around some of their uh, so-called experience I please for anybody that's dealing with these psychologists get them to prove they are a real uh, PhD or they have a real PhD title because you can buy them on the internet for a couple hundred bucks and make sure You check. If they give you uh, their credentials as far as where they worked, a hospital, a clinic or whatever, verify it. Because I have seen in court when they, you know, throw around their Ph.D. title and these judges just go, oh, boy, you must be really smart. You don't know if these people are fakes or they're, they're a real person. And the fact that nobody that I have ever talked to, none of these psychologists, have ever audiotaped or videotaped the session with these people. So in other words, when they write in their reports that the person could not do a certain type of, you know, uh, a paper and pencil test like a trail test or they're told to name all the animals they can in one minute so forth, the reports that these people make, the psychologists, they have no proof to provide that the people ever did or did not say something or how they said something now everybody has a cell phone these days they all record audio or video and i can't believe these psychologists who like to brag about how smart they are with a phd do not think it's important to be able to back up the reports that they do and when you're thinking about These poor victims who, because of what these psychologists say in their reports, and again, I'm talking about especially the corrupt ones, that those poor victims will be sent to their doom forever, not only mental doom but also financial doom when their money is getting drained because they're in some low-rated nursing home, and also the fact that, uh, again, the abuse today where they hire three, four, five, ten assistants also draining the Poor victim's account. So when they do these type of evaluations uh, they could just make one report and just keep uh, erasing another person's name and putting this new person's name in there. So there's a lot of fraud that these uh, corrupt psychologists do just to make a fast buck. Uh, one charged for one hour thousand dollars and another one charged four thousand dollars for like a two and a half hour evaluation. But when asked directly, uh, how can you do an evaluation and not record it to prove how something was said while they're making their notes, they just say, well, I have a very good memory. I can remember it. Well, you know, in court they have a stenographer who types up everything because they want to be able to prove what somebody said or what somebody did not say. And I have two uh, conclusions by two different psychologists, And I think it's rather interesting Uh, that the conclusion of one, the psychologist says, I'm quoting, I do not believe blank has the cognitive capacity to convey power of attorney, and I believe it is very unlikely blank had the ability six months ago. Next sentence, same psychologist, same report. I do not believe blank would be harmed by attending court proceedings. Next one. This one I love, quote, the statements and conclusions offered herein are made with a reasonable degree of scientific certainty. What the heck does that mean, a reasonable degree of scientific certainty? Now, for anybody who has a certain type of business, that basically is saying CYA, cover your ass. On one hand, they're, you know, professing how smart they are and how much of a genius they are but they're just saying, well, I do not believe, I do not believe, and it's my opinion. Well, everybody has an opinion, but when you're talking about somebody in such a situation where their lives can be dramatically changed, and for the worst, usually, you're, you, know, you want certainty, you want per, a certain percentage. How are you basing your conclusion? Not just your opinion. Anybody can offer an opinion, But that's not telling the public or the person's family just how accurate that report is and how good that psychologist is in the evaluation that they did. And another psychologist who charged $4,000 for two hours says, and I'm quoting, the clinical opinions expressed here by this examiner are done with a reasonable degree of scientific neuropsychological certainty based on the consideration and interpretation of information. And it's guided by professional training and clinical experience in the uh, neuropsychological uh, experience. Now, what the heck does that mean? That is just the clinical opinions expressed here. It's, again, just their opinions. But to something as serious and lifelong uh, consequences the guy is just giving his opinion bs you don't want a doctor to say well i think you want to hear i know i did these three tests they all came up positive etc etc so it's something where you know these people again it's like they're like a magician the hand is quicker than the eye don't look here look over here while i'm doing something else and this is all about the corruption how people have been misled how this scam has been allowed to prosper just because people with fancy titles like to think that they can uh, just razzle-dazzle somebody and get money for it, sort of like a used car salesman. Now, another situation uh, that I have been talking about uh, pertaining to Montgomery County uh, uh, court, uh, the Orphan's Court, uh, there's been a lot. It's been known for 20 years about the corruption of certain judges and certain guardians and certain Mm -hmm. psychologists and so forth. And as you know, I've said on an earlier show about two months ago or so, I contacted the district attorney of Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. I contacted the detective division and I was told to speak to one of their detectives about the corruption in that orphan's court. So I was given the name of Detective Shade, and I talked about him on the show a couple of times. And I spent about two hours with Detective Shade, gave him some documents, and, uh, again, I talked to him for about two hours. And, again, with all this new information, I didn't want to load him up on a lot, so I just gave him some documents and some information. And I have been told that many people had called him with their horror stories and he never returned their calls and I was very puzzled by that and so about three weeks ago or so he sent me an email and I like to read it his email says and I quote this is a detective remember of the district attorney's office he says and I quote upon further review with supervision it has been determined there is no criminal element to proceed with an investigation. I found you previously reported similar information to our private complaint unit, and you, refer, and you were referred to the attorney, to your attorney to proceed further. I, too, feel this is your best alternative in your attempts to argue the issues you have presented. Well, first of all, I went to the, detective, the DA's office about six months ago. I asked the secretary, who do I go to about lodging a complaint about corruption in the court? And they sent me over to the private complaint department. That so-called investigator uh, listened to me for about five minutes only, yawning the whole time, and he told me his experience was 20 years with a certain police department that only has about seven cops. So obviously I knew he didn't have that much experience. I have 41 years of doing uh, lie detection testing nationwide so I was really insulted by this guy who just listened for five minutes and said well just go go call your lawyer or something like that then uh, again six months went by and then I contacted the DA's office again they told me to talk to the county detectives and that's where I talked to detective shade so again after just giving him some information and some documents, he said he was going to look into the matter. But again, he never contacted me, again, since that point, about a month and a half ago, to find out if I had any additional documents, which I have. And the fact that he never returned phone calls to the people that were contacting him, that has a conclusion that just cannot be denied. And that is just basically more cover-up of what's going on in the Montgomery County Courthouse. And I, I am appalled that this is uh, somebody that is supposed to be dealing with mm-hmm. criminal matters when, in fact, all he's doing is basically saying, well, we listened to you, and that's sort of good enough. Mm-hmm. And this is why if, if you're going to um, – if, if you were not – if you did not have your phone call returned, why don't you call for these people again in Montgomery County? Call Chief Detective Mark Bernstein at 610-278-3843. So if anybody nationwide is having problems when you're dealing with just a so-called investigator, go to the top, but make sure you get emails. And every email you send, send one back to yourself. To make sure you have a copy to prove you talked to that person and always get their emails and always ask for their business card that usually has their email on it but be sure to get their email address because if you're going to wait around for somebody to return your call pertaining to this criminal investigation they may just pretend you never existed so this is why it's important that you really, really have to get the information, make sure it's documented, and get as much contact information as you can to make sure people are more people are aware of what you're going through. Now, again, in every state, the requirements for determining an evaluation uh, or, or for determining incapacitation are different. And, again, in Pennsylvania, they're called IME, Independent Medical Evaluation. But that's a joke because there are no medical tests used. And they're not independent because the judge assigns the psychologist to do it. So what is needed is a medical doctor, at least a psychiatrist, that will determine people uh, with far more experience and knowledge than simply a psychologist with basically no medical training whatsoever. And with uh, a medical evaluationist, including the person's own medical doctor who has known this person for 10, 15, maybe 30 years, they know more about that person and their history than then some psychologist who shows up for an hour or whatever and, and gives some ridiculous Phony paper and pencil tests which all of them are down can be downloaded on the, from the internet so it's not just some private special test that they use they're on the internet anybody can download them and anybody can put a couple together and say well that was my evaluation give me my thousand dollars or two thousand dollars or whatever so again the more involvement the family has and again I understand eighty percent of these uh, criminal uh, uh, guardianships are done by family members. They're started by family members, and that's the purpose—to get money for themselves. I understand that, but still, you've got it—the family members that are not involved with this corruption, they have to make sure they do certain things to protect themselves and to protect their assets, because too many of the family members are spending their life savings taking out a second mortgage on their house just in order to pay their lawyer who they think will do something for them. Now, I, I want to put a shout-out to my attorney. I, I won't say his name at this time, but he does not do legal guardianships at all, never had. And he was dumbfounded with all these documents and all this information I have been giving him about what goes on nationwide and my website and so forth, and talks about other articles and uh, other uh, uh, articles and other websites and all that have dealing only with corruption of guardianship. So he has learned a lot in the year that he has been my attorney, and he has helped me tremendously. And unfortunately, I can't give the listeners a) Uh, a way to find those honest and ethical lawyers (laughs) it's really hard to find one if you can but again the I I just feel sorry for all the people that are going through this now because they're going to be going through a hell that they can't believe and the ones that have just had to give up because they ran out of money it's such a pain to that you have to live with that you tried your best but it still wasn't good enough and I I can just say I'm I'm just I just really am sorry that people good people have to go through this type of hell just because people some people just want money to spend for themselves irregardless on how they get it and how much the other person was suffering who is has been victimized so Marty I'll turn it over to you
1: well well, I've got a lot of people commenting here about how if they would return guardianship to its once noble purpose is basically what they're saying. It never, ever, ever had a noble purpose. Yeah. It has been used for thousands of years to basically kidnap, steal from someone else. Uh, in our own history as a country, when they ended slavery, many of the landowners, the plantation owners, would guardianize their best slaves and say they were feeble-minded, or they were this, that, or something else, and they needed protection. And it's because that slave was worth money, and it produced money. And so everything was done to keep them. And as far as women go, it has always historically been used to keep women from inheriting. They would guardianize them. A man would, an attorney, an uncle, somebody would guardianize them and take over all their money. They couldn't have it. It hasn't been until 19, I think 23 in this country that a woman could inherit directly without a man's interference, but they always used guardianship to do it. It is what it has always been. It is a system of kidnapping, isolation, exploitation, robbery, and ultimately death. That's what it's always been. Um, you talked about how they hire all these other people. If you remember the Britney Spears case, and Sam Engram, who was instrumental in the Kasem case, um, was supposed to be her attorney, and he had hired a whole other law firm to litigate. Well, you're an attorney. I would think you would know how to do that. And here she's paying him. She's paying this other law firm. And here again, a manager for this and a caretaker for that and something else. This is a criminal racket that is running right under the noses of our government, in fact, many times with their blessing and funding. um, Let's go back again. I hate to keep harping on, but as an example, 2019, the Elder Justice and Protection Act that never mentioned guardianship until the very end. And there was a little box that said that the uh, Congress had handed over to the DOJ the power to create legislation regarding guardianship and I had to call and remind them that the Congress, the House could not give that authority to anyone, any individual or any other organization or office Congress is the only one that can create law but that bill did nothing except in the middle of it page 6 it expanded and empowered and further funded 30 some different agencies including police, sheriffs, Adult Protective Social Services gave them more to keep doing what they were doing. And everybody said, oh, it's such a wonderful bill. No, it wasn't. It was a shot. And uh, but so I don't want to hear how it has a noble purpose. It never, never, never has had a, a noble purpose. They've just fine-tuned it to the point where they're making cabillions now instead of a few paltry hundred or thousand dollars. But anyway, Kazi, you wanted to say something?
2: You know, I just want to do a shout-out to a good attorney that is in the Montgomery County area. I believe it's called Bluebell. That's right over there by there, isn't it, Rev? And And yeah. um, the the, um, the Mesa and David Law Firm, they don't do guardianships either, and I doubt they will ever want to do one again. But I, the fact that I was able to go through this, and although – Everything, I mean, obviously everything didn't go the way we had wanted it to because the best lawyer in the world, you can't win. The judge is, you know, the judge is bought not by us. You know, we didn't own the judge. And, of course, it's, you know, we had to deal with the king ot hole, Judge Stanley Ott, you know, the number one, the number one corrupt one. But anyway, they were just, they were just wonderful. And I just, you know, at the end and here's an interesting part so at the end of the trial i was going to owe like thirty thousand dollars in legal fees and i still remember jim mesa calling me a couple days later and he said we don't want your money you don't owe me that money and he said i want you to know that an honest lawyer does exist up here i mean Wow. He was not he he's since retired. Um one a case that he did with us, it was his last case and then he went into retirement. He was just an awesome man. I check I, I Google every once in a while to make sure he's still he's still doing okay and I hope he's enjoying retirement. But he actually worked on the Warren Commission and he ran for senator in Pennsylvania. I mean, this guy had a resume. That would go up against any of these slime bags, like the David Wyatt. I mean, Jim Maze's yeah. resume just would blow his away. But I mean, when the other attorney owns the judge, you're not going to win, you know. But if you were right. in a real court, like if it was a real court, oh my gosh! I mean, it was you just you know what is it called? Star Chamber, Kangaroo Court? Yes. When you're in Medellin's yes. court your amazing resume, it it just doesn't, it doesn't matter. And that's just, I just wanted to just really pass on, you know, and and I don't know, I doubt that he's listening, but if anyone is listening, he was just such a blessing to meet, a a blessing to know, Um, went on a crazy adventure that Bob and Harvey put me on. And to have just such a fun attorney that, had a great sense of humor in all the tragedy and had like this realness to him and this human compassion to him. And I mean, forgave me a five figure debt. Wow. I mean, who does that? Because he know he knew that everything yeah. that we had done, we had done we had done it right. We had a care plan and I mean we had everything I mean everything that we had done. And there was actually zero family members that were against us. The people who were against us were David Jaskowiak, Carl Pryor, and Diane Zabowski. All getting paid for out of Harvey's um estate. Oh, and another attorney named Julian Von Dun King. All these attorneys were getting paid and Deb Clock the Guardian. They were all getting paid by Harvey and they were the ones who were fighting to keep Harvey in Pennsylvania where there was no family there for him. And everyone, my sister, my cousins, my brothers, everyone, we were writing letters in support of the care plan that we had come up with where Harvey was going to be moved to um, Wisconsin. We already had a social worker that we were working with here in Wisconsin. We had a place that we had, you know, put the money down on. And we did everything right. and. Jim Mason knew that we did everything right. In fact, I have videotape because he had told me, Jim had told me to go videotape Harvey with some stuff, and if any atholes are listening, I still have that videotape. And Harvey was very coherent, and he said, I I want to go to Wisconsin. He had no family left because Bob had passed away. He had no family left in Pennsylvania, and everyone was on board. There wasn't even a family member that was opposing us, but there was a bank that was opposing us. And a court-appointed attorneys who thought they knew the best. And I just, I just really want to do a shout out that I really did have a lovely attorney in Jim Mesa, just like you, like you had there, Reverend. And I, but yeah, they're not usually the guardianship attorneys because a real good attorney can earn their money legit. And these hacks that are like star chambering and, I mean, I just wonder, like, the gross. I mean, sometimes I just ponder, like, how disgusting things are they doing? Like, they're just yeah. all so gross. They're just super gross and
1: well, they creepy are
2: And, I mean, how, I, they've got to be morally bankrupt. And I just, you know, they don't care. They This is enjoyable to them. The pain that they cause other families is enjoyable, they enjoy the money, but I think they, I mean, I, I think, I don't even know what they do when they get home and go to bed after they went to court case. Cause I think they go into full on pleasure, man, because yeah. they just destroyed somebody. I mean, these people are like really, really disgusting. Um, this is yeah, this is Reverend Ralph. Money. Yes? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry about that. Um, I, I wanted to point out for the people in Pennsylvania, but also nationwide, on my website, protectmyparents.us, there's a very, very good case, and it was upheld by the Superior Court of Pennsylvania, I think it was about 15 years ago. It's called the Rosengarden case. And again, the whole, the whole conclusion by the Superior Court is on my website. And it basically says that even though if a person, even if a person has been declared incapacitated, they still have a right to do what they want with their property. And the case was about a woman, Rosengarten, who was declared incapacitated and her lawyer sold her house without even asking her. And she appealed it to Superior Court and they upheld or they said that she has a right even if she was declared incapacitated. And this is what really makes me angry with these fake made up evaluations, the fact that people's lives are totally destroyed and it's like they're regarded as just property. They're not even regarded as right. blood people anymore, people with blood and feelings and emotions and all. And they're and again Marty you pointed this out many times about this whole thing is basically uh age uh, age discrimination where if a yes. person's 50 years old, they lose their car keys, hey, everybody loses their car keys. Uh, but if you're 75, oh no, you got dementia and so forth. Yeah. And And in one of the reports uh, by a psychologist, he said that the uh, progression of dementia is based on the surrounding conditions to that person. So, in other words, if a person is declared incapacitated and they're just locked up in a ward someplace, nothing to look at, nothing to read, not not given any activities to do to keep their mind active – they're going to obviously progress faster because they're in a uh, – basically they're in solitary confinement in a sensory-deprived situation. And that's why yes. they, that's why solitary confinement in prison or something, that's a punishment because people have nothing to do but sit there uh, hour, day, week at a time. So I think uh, something like that is very important to think about, the fact that uh, these people – just are suffering just based on made-up tests, and it just cannot yeah. be that way to destroy somebody's life with something as simple as a paper-and-pencil test. Thank you, Marty. Yeah, well,
1: you know, and that's the thing, too. This whole thing, it's a scam. It's a racket. Anybody standing on the outside of it looking in, not involved, things go in what is done to these people that get targeted I think the most insidious part of this is forcing the victim to pay the predators for whatever they do. Uh, Who came up with that plan? I wonder. If you what you're doing is legitimate, either the state should pay you to do it, or you should pay for it yourself. I think you should pay for it yourself. (laughs) But this whole thing, this is this is a scam. That's all it is, and it runs right under the noses of our legislators, our governors. Everybody, and they won't do anything. They won't do anything. And somebody said, oh, they have to get a bill writer. A bill writer usually comes from the Bar Association. How do you think that bill's going to work out? And again, like I've told people, you write a really good bill that has everything in it you want, and somebody says, yeah, I'll sponsor it, and it gets tabled to be read and heard. It can be amended a 1,000 times with no notice to you. And what yet passed has no resemblance to what you wrote. Everything has been taken out of it that would have any effect. Things have been put into it you never intended. The whole thing has been watered down. And as an example, and I've used this before, I use it again, Dirty Harry Reid gutting an old recycling bill and putting Real ID Act in it as an amendment, an act which could not work as a standalone bill. And passed it under the title of recycling. And everybody said, okay, yeah. Even our legislators, our representatives, our senators, don't read the bills. And too many people involved in this will look at these bills, read the title, and maybe the first paragraph, and don't go any further. You've got to read the whole bill. And you have to look at uh, John LeCron always says, words have meanings, you have to look at the, it, the meaning of the word and look it up in Black's Law or, you know, something along that line. Because what it might mean in the common vernacular under Black's Law and in the legal field, it may mean something else entirely. And they always use the words shall and may. <laughs> um, it used to be you may do this or you may do that, but it wasn't a direct command. So they said, well, you shall. You shall go to work today. Well, the Supreme Court came out and said that uh, shall and may, basically they meant the same thing. You may go to work today, or you shall go to work if you want to. Um, So the word must be must, a direct command. No equivocation there. You have to read these words. When you see a bill that is... 300 400 500 pages long you can take it to the bank you're getting taken to the cleaners It's all in the details uh, no bill should be more than maybe three or four pages and That's at the very most but anytime a bill gets into the hundred page or more range. You're looking at a a dunking uh, There but like I say nothing is coming out of these people that is of any use or any value to the people that are being subjected to this, there is nothing in there that you can use. Um, a current law that's out there uh, talking about you know you have to be heard, uh, and both sides must be heard when you're in the probate tribunal. <laughs> they don't openly call it a tribunal though, but that's what it is. It's set up like a tribunal, and but there is no penalty if you don't, and there is no enforcement. It just, so basically, if you don't hear both sides, nothing happens. That, and that law is part of the common law, or will be, but it does not apply to probate, which is running under administrative, and that is statute, code, and regulation. Whole difference that we have all these different styles of so-called law running, contract law, the international law of contracts, the tribunals. Uh, and this is set up exactly like the military tribunals. They also do not recognize your rights or the Constitution. They make up their own rules, edicts, whatever, and that is what you are tried on. What they said is a crime. And this is the same way, again, and I've said this many times. I'll keep saying it till you get it through your head. Probate is supposed to become active only upon presentation of the death certificate. How do you take the live person into probate court and subject them to anything? And that is the guardianship, which I am becoming more and more convinced, had to have been guaranteed prior to any actions being taken because it is the de facto death certificate. You suffer a civil death. Your identity is stolen and assumed by the guardian. Your legal capacity, agency, your right to handle your own business, taken from you. You have nothing. You don't exist. You have suffered a civil death. And we have seen these people referred to as units and merchandise because we just can't objectify them too darn much, you know. But we dehumanize them, and supposedly that makes it okay. You brought up something interesting about these attorneys, especially when they go home. How do you go home to your family, just like hospice workers who give kill shots, knowing what you did and how you destroyed someone else's life, acting like nothing happened, and get up the next day and do it again? What kind of animal are you? Um, I don't think you're human, I don't know what you are, but you're not like the rest of us. These people are predators by nature. And you're yeah. right, Reverend Ralph, they they take pleasure in what they do. They take pleasure in the grief and misery they cause. And I would like to isolate several of them, put them in a small room like they've done others. No TV, no radio, no windows, no way of communicating. And leave them sit there with no visitors. How long do you think they'd last? Well, and yet, this I, is happening to people every day. Go ahead. I
2: think I think that there is something that these that these predators should be wary of because there is a saying: "There is no honor among thieves," and that's right. what they all are—is they are thieves. And the day will come when they will turn their backs and throw each other under the bus to cover their own butt. That day is coming. The rest of us, like all of us victim families in Montgomery County, that we all know each other, there is no reason that any of us are going to be running tail and turning on each other because we all have pretty much the same story. And that's going to be their downfall. The day will come. They will come. There's too many of us that know each other in Montgomery County. It is the second most documented county in the United States for guardianship abuse, wow. to Michigan, which was uh, Rachel Gretchen Hammond's article, well-researched article, where she had over a thousand. What is it? Over like fifteen hundred victims that were in that she did yes. that article from. Yeah. Uh, that is the that is the most documented um uh, abuse which is up there in in Michigan but Montgomery County Pennsylvania is the number 2 most documented and that is that statistic does come from our friends at NASCA mm-hmm. have told us that based on everything that they have been collecting if anybody hasn't been to the website www.guardianshipabuse.org it would take you weeks to go through that website. It's got to be the database or what they pay for that website to keep it up has got to be in, insane. And um, while we're talking about NASCA, it's a $25 membership, a one-time membership. But you know what? If you are having a financial burden, they will waive that membership. But, I mean, it it just helps to pay for the website. But you – you, there's a form that you fill out and you put in your case numbers and stuff because the, they're going to background and make sure it's true. And then you can have a victim's page so that you can have your own, your own page with your loved one and any, um, any articles that have been you know put out about it, any videos, and all your stuff that's there. And 100% of the media attention that, that I have been able to do interviews with have been because of NASA and because they knew about our case. But there's so many of us that know each other in Montgomery County. And for those of you who are Facebook stalking me and trying to figure out how many people I know, there are more people that are on my phone. And we're not on Facebook because we don't want you to know that we know each other. And so just know that there's way, way, way more of us than, that know each other than you can fathom them.
0: Marty, this is Reverend Ralph. Yes. A couple couple yes. of little points I just wanted to bring up. Uh just a few minutes ago you were talking about the legal language. And do yeah. you remember the most famous uh statement by Bill Clinton back in the 90s pertaining to the Monica Lewinsky case where he says it depends what the definition of is definition is is is. I mean uh-huh. that's got to be the height of shysterism. Uh Yep. And um because you were talking about uh, the kind of people that go home at night after they've done all this to people. Well, many times we say they're just criminals, and that's all they are. It's another type of crime where people do things of violence or, uh, against other people, like Bernie Madoff, who stole $63 billion, and most of it was from charities. So you have people that do not have any conscience. They don't have any remorse. To them, if you have a dollar, they deserve it. If your mother or father has a million dollars, they think they're entitled to it with these shysters, guardians, and so forth. And, again, it's it's something so – it's hard to believe. But on the other hand, read the newspaper every day, and you see what people do just for a cell phone or just for a – a wallet or even a couple of dollars or something. Uh, And finally, I want to (laughs) – this is going to make a lot of people either burst out laughing or kick something. I was talking about Detective Shade, a detective in Montgomery County uh, Detectives at the DA's office. Well, after he issued this uh, report to me, I mean his conclusion in an email, he went and told the judge, that was being investigated, that they had been under investigation. And a lawyer, one of these corrupt lawyers, was in that person's office at the time and obviously heard it. So obviously that corrupt lawyer told other corrupt lawyers and the guardians and the corrupt psychologist that a investigation had happened because of me, but it was closed because of so-called lack of information, mainly because Shade never contacted any of the people that had called him. So I, I, I just
1: wow.
0: I just can't believe that a detective, a county detective, would tell the judge that that person had been under investigation. For what reason? Maybe a month from now something will come up, a piece of information that would uh, be a criminal uh piece of information that would indict that judge. But this shows it. Uh, Cause just said a minute ago, Montgomery County's second in the nation of uh, guardianship corruption. Yeah, well this is an example of it where these people are just protecting each other in the uh, county courthouse.
1: Yeah. And that's the truth too. It is a cover your ass operation. You know, we've talked about many times People will be told, "Oh, report it to the police, and the police say, we can't do anything. Go to the Sheriff's Department, and they'll go to the Sheriff's Department. We can't do anything. Uh, You need to go to the State Attorney's General's Office. File a complaint there. They'll go there, or they'll tell them to go to APS, which is the last place you want to go. And because it should be called adult predatory services, not protective. And uh, there is nothing protective about them. And... um, but they run you through this hamster wheel of go to this agency, go to that person, go to another person, this agency, go back here to this one. And you end up with them saying, well, you need to make a police report. Yeah. Wait a minute. I've already been there. You know, that's what started all this. But none of them will do anything. None of these agencies will go against the other. None of them will say, you're breaking the law. You're harming people. You know, um, I... We're up against an oiled machine that is just getting bigger by the day. And the more we report on it, and the more we try to expose it, the more they're digging in. And and Reverend Ralph, just like in your situation, where the detective won't respond to people, um, that he goes and informs the people who are being investigated that you've asked for an investigation, and gives them all fair warning, and everybody closes ranks, and that's the end of that. And now we're all afraid for you because you know they're going to retaliate because you spoke about this. And I feel um,
0: like
2: the judge should recuse herself. Yeah.
0: Oh, the judge was asked many times, at least four times, by my attorney, and each time was refused to recuse the the judge, or the judge refused themselves.
1: Well, because it's a moneymaker. Because every time there's yeah. a motion brought in front of that judge they get a percentage of the value of the estate. Right. And I believe there in Pennsylvania it's 3%, which may not sound like a lot, but when you're talking about large sums of money and you keep doing this over and over and over again, it can mount up. So this is a moneymaker for them. And it isn't just your case. They're doing this with every case. People are not judges of the law. They don't deal with law. Again, statute and code and regulations. And... Go, the next time you go in and ask them to see their oath of office, they're supposed to have it on file, and they're supposed to be able to present it to you if you request it, if they are an actual judge. But you're not in a, a court of law. You're in a tribunal. This is a rigged house. And these people are usually administrative clerks or hearing examiners, and they are hired and paid by the same ag- agencies that are coming against you. So they they already have a conflict of interest. They're employed by the very people that are creating problems for you, you know, as far as the agency interference goes. Um, they, they are not neutral. They come into it expecting to make money, anticipating to make money, and like I say, the law doesn't apply. So it's just... I, it's got to stop. You cannot fix this. You cannot fix it. It needs to be abolished. Now, when they first created these family and probate courts, was here it's been ten years or more ago, and they separated all these cases from civil court from the common law. This was intentional. This was to get it from under the common law. And they said, oh, these these judges in these courts were just overwhelmed with all these cases. Well, 90% of those cases are bogus. So weed those out and deal with the ones that actually exist. But I was at the Minnesota legislature when they did this in Minnesota. And I blew a cork. Out in the hallway, a judge, a state judge said to me, Marty, Marty, you don't understand. You don't understand. He said if we hadn't have done this, he said we would have had to have hired more judges, rented more courtroom space. I said, isn't that what you just did? The only thing is, you created a tertiary system of courts. And now what they're doing, like here in Georgia where I live now, they are trying to run probate up under as a spin off or a um link to the superior court, the Supreme Court of the State. This isn't law. You can't hook it to a lawful entity. It that doesn't work. But I mean who pays any attention to any of that stuff anyway? Um and that's I think the worst part in all of this. Nothing means anything. Nothing. Um your rights don't matter. Your life doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that these people are predators, that they make their living preying on and sucking the lifeblood out of other individuals who become helpless because of the system. It isn't that they don't want to help or they don't want to be helped. It's that they are rendered helpless by the system. No rights, not even to their own name. How sick
2: is that? In their family, like they'll make rules that, like now this this one wasn't done to me, so I've just heard that this is done to other people, but I I don't know how that would have gone over if they if they tried this one. Like you can't even post pictures or take pictures of right the love that happens in in some of the places, and it's like I mean we have all the before and after pictures, we have I mean all these abuse pictures, so I'm I'm. I guess that's a new thing that they've learned, like, ooh, ooh, we got to make sure families can not take, can't take yeah. pictures now because we've heard of that happening to some people. But, you know, to put it in perspective about what these people actually think, imagine that you're, you know, walking down the street and a mosquito bites you and you, and you slap it. A day uh-huh. later, you're not even thinking about that mosquito. That mosquito is dead. That is what the ward is to the Guardians and the Euturnials. Yes. They have just they that is how much they devalue human life. That you're basically a bug to be squished. That is that is all these other humans are to them. And that's why they can do it. They they view you as their cattle. They're just, you know they're they're harv- that's their harvest. And if it means Yes. That you suffer, that you die, that you're isolated—it doesn't matter. And and it's even like that mosquito that you killed, and a day later you're not even thinking about the mosquito. This is how cold and callous these people are. You are yes. only a bu- you are a bug to be squashed. And that is yep. how they think. It took me a long time to just wrap my head around that. Like how how can you do this to other people? Until you yeah. realize they are not like you. They're different, no. and this is how they think. And in going to them with your emotions, they love to watch you cry. And this, you know, you you just gotta how how you get them is you you gotta stop them. But they also because they have like glory hog in them, they do love to be riding their fancy cars, living in their big house, eating the best yeah. foods, and having people call them your honor. They mm-hmm. love that. You know, stroking their egos. And I'm sure we all stroke each other's egos and stuff like that. Yeah. It's it's a sick
1: system populated by sick people. Yeah. um, And I personally think that before anyone is allowed to isolate another individual, they should be subjected to it themselves for an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. And maybe if they're made to understand the actual damage this does, and especially to an elderly person, they know the damage to that psyche of that elderly person is immeasurable and it's irreversible. So, uh, you know, what? I, I just don't understand how you can do this in good conscience. And many of these people will plant themselves in a church in the front row because they're a pillar of society. No, they're not.
0: Mm-hmm. They're
1: hiding there. They're hiding there, and that way, you—if you come after me, oh, I was in church. Yeah, well, God squashed you like a bug if you were. Uh, what, it
2: just that—that that, that BTK killer. If—if if we want to yeah. like really talk about like that thing, and we don't mean to offend the reverend here, or right. you know, or like I'm a Christian myself, but I mean, let's like let's also not bury our head in the sand. Um, the BTK killer was like, that's how he got caught is he did some, he wrote some letter. He was always writing these taunting letters, but he's messed up and mailed it in like the church envelope. He was like a deacon in his church. I don't know if people remember this. It's like the BTK. He was a serial killer. You can Google it and look it all up, but that's where he hid. He hid in the church. And I know his daughter, I watched the documentary part of it. I mean, he was married and had a daughter and the mm-hmm. family didn't I mean, they were floored. They had no idea yeah. that this yeah. was the monster. This this was her father. This mm-hmm. was the monster that raised her. And I can't imagine being that child. And how sad Dad, the children of these monsters <laughs> if some of these monsters do have children. You just gotta feel bad. You know, yeah. because they just use the children to you know to keep up appearances and to make themselves right. look you know they're hiding behind it and um, yeah i would have to say the btk killer would be the example of somebody faking it having a, his you know family sitting in church yeah. and that and they're so hard to catch that he would even be a deacon in his church he was the last right. person Anyone would think would be doing these things because they put them in such a, a, such a high position. And I am guessing yeah. if you went to church there and, you know, you saw him before the service in the hallway, you would probably have a lovely, charming discussion with him. And you would have no idea he right. was the B.T.K. killer. It's no different. These guardians and lawyers and stuff, they're the same. They're the same. You will have a lovely, charming Conversation with them, but they're not yes. like us. They're not. No, they're, they're like not. But
1: they'll mimic kitten. you. They'll mimic you. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it just uh, it, it, it's such a it's such a disgrace, you know. And it's yes. a, of all the stuff they talk about in this country that's wrong, you know. And I can see a lot of things I don't think are right, but I think the disgrace of this country that this system exists and it goes on unimpeded. And we have not got one senator or representative who will honestly respond to it. Not one. No. And I, I don't get it. I don't get it. But, you know, when you look behind all of this, too, you see where funding is, backdoor funding, grants, subsidies, yeah. uh, the, going out.
2: All well, those PPP yeah, they're, they're, Google, how yes. many offices wow. got them, yeah. including those attorneys in Montgomery County. And you're supposed yep. to only get those if you were like, if you were losing money. But I guess, right? I mean, it's just so much fraud. They just, you know, yeah. do, You know, if you can, file file an IRS complaint on them. But, you know, and people have thought, these people are not stupid. You right. will be wrong to think that they're stupid. I think Netflix, because Netflix did so much study on that I care a lot. if you remember one of the opening quotes that she said, she said there's predators and there are prey. And right. she really she really nailed it. Because these people, yeah. they're not stupid. They are right. predators. And if, yep. and we are the prey. And you just need to be aware. Yes. You just have to be aware. And, and it's really hard to, like, have to not really trust right. because they, well, can, the they, thing they is, can be so charming.
1: Yeah. The thing is... We're all subject to this system to which there is no defense. They have got this thing nailed down to the point that you have no defense. You cannot fight it because the judge is part of the the hearing examiner, ministerial clerk, is part of the problem. And it is around that person whom all of the rest of this is facilitated. That's the facilitator that makes sure it all goes Mm -hmm. down the way they want it to. Yeah, and it is that person I think needs to be brought up on charges first, and because this is the major predator. Now you can figure if they're getting a percentage of the state from the estate from here in a case, there's also money being paid through the back door to make sure this happens, that happens, something else happens. It isn't. They're not going to settle for that paltry amount, especially many times when there's millions of dollars at play. They're not gonna settle for you know they're not. They're already they're they've not. already gonna, you know they're gonna Go get ahead. it all. They, yeah.
2: they they know how to get it all.
1: And, and they all. do. Yes. Yes. And it's mm-hmm. just um, uh I, the the idea like, I say that here, and just like listening to Reverend Ralph there, the this detective who goes and warns and informs everybody that there's going to be an investigation or that you're wanting one. That puts your life in direct danger because these people have no morals. They have no inhibitions. And it makes me concerned for you, Ralph, what they're going to do to you. So we'll be keeping a very, very close eye on that. Thank you. We've got about five minutes left here. Uh, Ralph, did you have anything you wanted to say before we close down? No, thank you. Okay, Kazi?
2: I would like to say I know that we are in close contact with Marcel Reed of Whistleblower Summit, and I feel that the reverend is really um, a sort of whistleblower, and yes. I feel there should be protections for him, and this detective right. Shade, who basically outed you know like had yes. didn't keep the confidentiality of the complaint and then turned around and outed it and by the way I also emailed detective shade and was offered to send more documents of the other victims that we have all organized and he never responded to me but the the thing is is that someday it will come out we we will all have the different emails and we all do have the different emails we've shared them with each other and right. the fact that none of us were got a response it's just they're basically laying the groundwork for us that yes. they we were we were going about going about the right channels to make the complaints of these crimes and right they have been ignored and so every email that wasn't responded to and we can also do those freedom of information acts and yeah. you can submit all these emails and then you'll see that there was no no replies back and you know all that kind yeah. of stuff is, is out there at our disposal to use so these as right. technology grows, and grows i mean this is I hope they don't get rid of the Freedom of Information Act. That I would think they would probably want to do that somehow in a backdoor deal. But right yeah. now, it's, it's still out there, and you can still, yeah. you know, apply and and get these things. But yeah, I do believe that that whistle that a whistleblower <laughs> law, especially what was done, the Reverend should really be coming into effect and immediately having everyone, including these court-appointed guardians. They need to all be recused.
1: Yes, yes. And I think many of them need to be put in prison. Uh, what oh, they've yeah. done to people is, yeah, yeah, is, is just unforgivable, and to take the spoils of that and live this many times luxurious life while you have destroyed someone else, is just well, to me, it, it makes me sick of my stomach.
2: We have a role model that we can look forward to, and I hope that they would um if they those that are listening called Jeffrey Epstein and that gaylane Maxwell, yeah, well Maxwell. Them. and and yeah. they were billionaires they were doing they were doing high crime what these what these low level guardians and judges are doing is is like it's nothing compared to what was being done at pedophile island and if yeah. those two could could like meet what was coming to them you better believe you're not safe holes. i know right. the holes are looking you. you aren't safe if jeffrey epstein and gillaine maxwell can go down so can you yeah and that is, my, that, just- is my, that is my that is my positive warm and fuzzy last comment Well, thank you.
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm telling you, uh, everybody. We're getting ready now. The middle of December, around the fifteenth, we'll break for our annual vacation, and we're we need a break. And we'll be back in the middle or the first week of January, and hopefully by then we'll have an expanded roster on the shows. I'm working on a few things. We have got so much going on um, that. I don't know how we're we're going to get it all done, but we will, uh, Reverend. We want to keep track of you and what goes on with you, so you stay in close touch with us, uh, because we'll blast it out all over the place if they do anything to you.
0: Thank and,
1: you very much. Um, we will. Don't don't think we won't. And um, but they're not going to get by with this, and it be like it was before. You go to court and you, they just spirit you away, and um, we no longer. Have control over our shows so if somebody says I demand you take the show down we can't because we are on all these different platforms we're in syndication this show will stay up but nothing has been said here yeah nothing has been said here that was not truth that cannot be documented so what you're crying about is you got exposed yeah. So, like I say, you go after Reverend Ralph, we're going to come after you, um, and that's just the way that is. Uh, this will not go by unnoticed. Um, everybody, I hope you'll. Well, I see people are already joining ranks with us. I'm getting messages here on my phone. Uh, you got a lot of supporters out there, Ralph, and Thank um, you. so we'll we'll do what we can. Anyway, we got about a minute left here. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for all of our new listeners on all the platforms. And we'll, we'll probably see you next Friday night. I don't know what we'll be doing, but we'll be doing something. Anyway, you all have a good evening. Thank you, Reverend Ralph. Thanks, Kaz, for being here. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Good
0: night. Bye-bye. Good night.